0: And we are live. Welcome back to the Digital Craze Podcast. Uh, today, I'm in the stew with Sean Mayer. What's up, Sean? Welcome.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So, Sean is the founder of Lilo Active, a women's activewear label that he started three years ago with his partner, Beth Walker. Before um, Lilo Active, uh, Sean worked a nine-to-five job in shipping operations management. He was also a part-time model um sean grew up in perth then in 2018 he was signed to nev's models which is based in london so he moved there for a year where he worked with brands such as nike puma and asos while he was there he traveled to and from la where he networked partied and made connections with photographers other models and even the likes of high-level celebrities like manny Pacquiao, winnie harlow and jennifer lopez He came back to Perth in 2019, where he planned and launched Lila Active, which started out of a spare bedroom at his parents' place. And three years later, it grew to a seven-figure business, uh, which now runs out of a warehouse here in Perth. So in this episode, we're going to talk about Sean's story, how he created the brand, his experience in modeling internationally, traveling with an open mind, making connections, meeting some of the world's biggest celebrities and growing a seven figure activewear brand so just like an incredible story that even that that happened like didn't even happen that mm. long ago so yeah that's pretty pretty yeah. insane the <laughs> that, journey that pretty much summarizes it <laughs> um but i want to go sort of back even further like when you were a kid did you kind of have like a business mind do you feel like you had that business mind or we always sort of was it in the back of your mind or not really
1: yeah I think I was a bit of a hustler I think with a lot of millennials we kind of grew up doing RuneScape and those kind of things oh, yeah. I think that kind of instilled that like entrepreneurship into yeah. people in our generation shout so, out yeah. RuneScape yeah <laughs> how good true <laughs>
0: um and then I mean like was like, was it the, that kind of classic story of working a nine to five and then, like, you kind of got sick of it and you wanted to start something else? Is that mm. where, like, these ideas started to come from for, like, running your own? Yeah, honestly, brand?
1: I feel like it's all just kind of happened randomly. Um, growing up, I kind of got pushed down the line of going to university and getting a degree, which I actually ended up dropping out of uni. Um, so, well, really,
0: what, what degree were you going to get?
1: uh construction management and economics okay so yeah completely random nothing to do with what i really do now (laughs) but i guess did that tie into
0: your nine to five that you ended up mm, doing for a while
1: definitely yeah because we learned a lot about project management so operations management within the shipping industry that kind of did tie in which was nice
0: okay and um at this nine to five like the shipping management what does that involve
1: Mm, it's basically uh managing an operation from start to finish of a bulk import or export shipment out of any port in WA. So pretty boring stuff, dealing with like grain shipments and alumina and all that kind of stuff. So yeah.
0: so it was like, uh, was it you're just sitting at a desk on a computer? and?
1: Um, no, a bit of both. So a bit of stuff behind a desk and then actually going out to the ports, going on the ships, meeting the captains. And yeah, it was pretty high pressure job and you're really you're managing like multi-million dollar shipments so okay, a lot well, of um a lot to it yeah
0: okay um so i guess your your day-to-day was kind of like going out there yeah meeting people like checking checking if the shipment is all correct like mm-hmm. ticking boxes and
1: yeah yep yep getting everything you're dealing with a lot of different parties within a shipment so you're just making sure that everything goes right of managing time cost and quality within that operation that's mm-hmm. the most important thing so
0: and yeah. um did you have any other jobs kind of maybe in did you ever work in retail or maybe mm-hmm. things like yeah, that? yeah yeah
1: so before that whilst i was at uni i was working like casual in retail so i worked at like supplement stores okay big into the gym so that kind of yep. tied in there and then uh before that bcf so okay yeah, selling fishing gear <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah yeah
0: um so yeah you were were you always into fitness and the gym and
1: yeah yeah I've been big into the gym since I was like 15 I started training so now I'm 28 so it's it's getting on there it'll be uh, almost training longer than I haven't been training yeah it's getting towards that so yeah
0: okay cool and um we did you ever want to kind of work in the fitness industry itself maybe do like personal training Mm. or anything like that or
1: it definitely interested me at the time i didn't really think that there was much opportunity for me in that industry i didn't think you'd get paid much i think i've always kind of unfortunately thought that way where i was like oh i've got to chase the dollar and i didn't think pts actually made that money but now i know that they actually do make quite good money and i kind of Regret it in a way, not actually exploring like doing personal training, which funnily enough, I'm kind of dabbling in it now, looking at getting my um, p t oh really p t certification okay, is
0: certification that so yeah just um like you want it sort of for fun like a side, yeah, it's more of a
1: passion thing like and passion out thing. of curiosity, and I think that it'll really tie into the business that I'm now running, so
0: yeah, I guess um one like getting to know your customer i guess a bit more and and also maybe you have like enjoyment out of teaching people how to better themselves i mean i think so i think i
1: really (laughs) want to do that so that's the thing i'm curious i don't know how i'm going to take it once i jump in there but i think that now that i've got the business it's providing opportunity for me to be able to explore that kind of thing you know Mm Um, but yeah, I've always liked helping people. So I think that I will really enjoy personal training. But again, I have no idea until I get into it. So that's, yep. that's the challenge um, of this year is to see if I like that. So that'll be a whole nother adventure.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mm. And um, obviously the fitness aspect, that ties into the modeling um, as well. So how did, like when did you get into like the modeling side of things? So I came into, doing
1: yeah, I came into modeling quite late, I think, compared to a what a lot of other people do so I started when I was like 22 yeah I actually got scouted um, in the city by Vivian's model management so mm-hmm. I, they were my like mother agency for a while um, so yeah that's how that all started I kind of yeah was in the city and they were doing like a scouting event and ended up just off a whim going right, oh yeah I'll jump in there and yeah yeah how tall mate, are you uh six foot three six foot three okay mm-hmm. nice mm-hmm. nice yeah which at the time it was very much like that. You had to meet the criteria. Like you got to be as a male model over 1.8 yep. toll and all the rest of it. I think things have changed a lot now. Oh, but really? Back then. Yeah, it was. It was very much you got to meet the criteria and I did tick those boxes. So.
0: Yeah, I guess um, it depends what sort of modeling. Like I think modeling – The industry itself is like expanded into different. Mm, It's so much more diverse now. They really, like, mm, brands
1: really are invested in displaying diversity over just having that tall, skinny model going down the runway. Yeah. It's so different now, which is a good thing. I really think. Yeah.
0: I think, um, yeah, with a lot of campaigns, like social media campaigns or like your average shoot, I think that's the case. I think probably those criteria for maybe high-end modeling stuff it's still like runway yeah runway models yeah
1: i think so but even then you're still now like you're seeing shorter models go down the runway like and having that diversity i don't think it's that important anymore like maybe it was like oh you need to be tall so that the crowd can see you (laughs) but it's a bit ridiculous to be fair
0: um i think well as a photographer like i think just clothes i think clothes do look better on someone who's Tall, like, and mm. there's well. It obviously, again, it depends on what industry. But in, true. I think, high high end modeling, I can see, I can see their reasoning why the garments they want are kind of catering criteria. To that body shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, um, but then also, I do think it's a positive. Well, it's it's like the marketing side, and then the mm. um, from the marketing side, I see that perspective. But even now, with yeah, social media, there's yeah definitely more areas for people who don't fit. Certain standards to yeah. like, yeah, they want diversity
1: and they also want like celebrities going down the runways. So, yeah, you're seeing rappers like jumping into yeah, the with a show. So, yeah, it's 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 quite different now, which yeah. is cool to
0: see 100%. Mm. Um, and then, um, I guess while you're working that nine to five, were you doing some like modeling on the side or,
1: yeah, very casually. So, like being signed with Vivian's every so often, they would throw a job my way or a casting. Um, you've got like doesn't really happen anymore but they had like the Perth Fashion Festival I think it oh, was yep. back then so you do little runways around there so it was really like kind of
0: Is that like Perth Fashion Week cuz
1: Yeah 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 that's okay. it Perth Fashion Week which really hasn't happened in a while since mm. covid has it so yeah um you really learn kind of like the foundations through that um vivians would also run like little workshops on how to do runways and Oh yeah that was interesting so like I'd finish up um my job and go off to like a little runway workshop and I'm in there with like a bunch of other models yeah. practicing your catwalk. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, and then when did you get signed to NEVS?
1: Mm, so that would have been... and Oh, no, actually it was start of 2018. So it was kind of like I was wanting to move to the UK and I was really pushing for Vivian's to try and get me signed out there. So mm-hmm. the role of your mother agency from wherever your hometown is they help you get signed around the world oh really so I was really pushing for that um getting on their backs being like look I want to move to London can you please try and get me signed out there and I was saying yeah you know we're trying we're trying sending out emails this and that and we weren't really having any luck so I kind of got to the point where I was a bit frustrated and I actually just booked a ticket out to London one-way ticket uh, just no in. actually it was a two-way ticket but it was just over a weekend it was a real like quick trip so i was actually probably flying for longer than i was actually in london for yeah so i flew in on a friday night and then i was there for the weekend and then i went and did walk-ins on the monday when all the agencies opened up cool. um yeah literally just walked into these agencies and i was like yo i'm from australia <laughs> i want to move here yeah are you interested in signing me and got knocked back by one agency the actual first one because i kind of built a list of agencies in london and went from like the top and Mm -hmm. downwards and so i started at the top and god what was it um i think it was like premier or one of the big modeling agencies out there and i've walked in i'm like yeah i'm from australia i want to get signed and They kind of looked at me and like, all right, you've got a very commercial look, this and that and I'm like, What the hell does that mean? (laughs) But like, you're not really for us. Like at the moment, we're kind of trying to bring in models. Niche niche model. Yeah, they were trying to bring in models at the time for Fashion Week and they were like look we're looking for more of like an edgy looking model yeah you're a little bit actually, too interesting yeah. you're too clean cut you're a bit more commercial you'd be good for e-com this that and the other so they were nice about it. at least they were honest now like look go to these agencies yeah. they're probably more suitable for you so i was like all right cool but at the same time like holy shit i've just flown across the world and this might not go to plan so mm-hmm. the reality set in i remember i called my girlfriend i was like I've already been knocked back, like, on the first agency. I don't know what's going on. Like, And she's like, don't worry, just keep going down that yeah, list. Yeah. And so, yeah, went on to the next agency and same spill. Yo, I'm from Australia. I'm moving here. I want to get signed. And then, yeah, they were like... So, yeah. you, like,
0: you walked in and you actually, like, saw them and you, like, that's yep. how they operate? Yeah, yeah. You so, you call, call it, like, in the,
1: in the industry, you call it walk-ins. So it's literally referred to walk-ins. So and they...
0: They have like a little office that Mm -hmm. is there for walk-ins. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So you meet the bookers and stuff like that and they kind of measure you, see how tall you are, take a couple of snapshots, make sure that you're made for it, I guess. And um, yeah, then the second one that I went into, they're like, yep, cool, we'll sign you if you're keen. Boom. All right. Go to the next agency. Yep, same thing. Yes. Okay, cool. Another one. So I think I got three yeses and one no. Um, and I was that's like, right, good done, that's enough. That's enough to me to be able to go to London. I know I'm going to get signed, cool. So um, I was particularly interested in one agency that said yes, which was Nev's Modeling Management. So I was following a few other models from the UK that were signed with them on Instagram. And I was really interested in the kind of work that they were doing. They were working for like Nike, Puma, so also doing a lot of cool jobs. So um, I ended up going to Vivian's and saying, look, this agency said yes to signing me make it happen and they're actually pretty pissed off at me for doing that oh really yeah, yeah, yeah it's kind of going against like the usual way that things happen and well
0: um because you were saying like is it it's the job of that agency you wanted them to get you like work in yeah. london for yep. example yep. um but does that mean like they wouldn't want you to get signed to another agency necessarily no, they, 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 like s-
1: they still want you to get signed with an agency but they, it's business at the end of the day and they have a network, so they'll have almost like partnered agencies around the world. So they've already got accounts with them. Yeah. The finance yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff gotcha. are very like streamlined. So going against their systems kind of um, is disruptive and they didn't like that. So again, like they didn't have at the time any models in Australia that were signed with NEV. So mm. they didn't have accounts set up. It's, it's more work for them essentially. Yeah. So they were a little bit like um, annoyed at that. They're like, look – that's our job to do this that and i was like well i understand yeah. that but it wasn't happening so yeah. i went and made yeah. it happen myself i'm very like that bit yeah. of a go get us so 100 percent, yeah from there i kind of um said want to be signed with nevs make it happen so they did it they got the contract okay. signed up boom pen to paper i'm moving to london i'm going to be modeling for nevs so cool. that's how that all happened
0: yeah i mean like uh i think i think that's a good mindset to have like if it's mm. not happening then like know you go out and do it like you literally yeah. just bought a ticket and went over there yeah i think uh yeah especially in a place like perth where it might be more difficult to make those international collect connections or whatever, yeah like.
1: for sure i mean the typical movement would be like start in perth then bounce to the east coast say sydney melbourne where there is a bit more of a fashion mm-hmm. industry and then from there you hop to say la new york london milan paris Whereas I kind of just skipped just the East Coast yeah. and went, boom, straight into the UK. But I could do that because my mum's actually born in the UK, so I got the passport. So didn't okay. have to deal with any visas or anything like that, which was very convenient. So London made a lot of sense for me.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. If you were on uh, unsigned, like, independent model, mm. could you just walk in, do walk-ins as well and get yeah. signed that way as well? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, I guess... Yeah, maybe you did it more by the book sort of mm. already signed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then through, it, like, so you went one week to London, you came back and then how quickly mm-hmm. did you go? I uh, then that?
1: resigned from my full-time job, gave my notice and then I think we flew out, I think it was either end of March or beginning of April that we officially packed up all our stuff, flew over to London, and moved there.
0: Okay. Mm. Did you go by yourself or with your partner? With my partner. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, and then while you were over there, you got to do some work through your agency with some pretty big brands. Yeah, it's like pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Um. So, like, what sort of work did you get over there?
1: So, I think the first big job was with Puma, and that was over in Germany in Nuremberg at the headquarters. So that was really exciting to um actually go to a casting. So I remember it was funny. Um, it was one casting where I really didn't think I was going to get the job as well. So I'd been partying the night before and I was a little bit rusty. And it was a rare casting where it was actually on a Saturday morning. Usually it's Monday to Friday, but for some weird reason, this casting was on a Saturday morning. And I'd been out on the Friday night and I was hung over and I was going to sleep in and go later. But I was like, look, I'm just going to rip the band-aid off, get up early, have a shower, get down to this casting. It is what it is. And yeah, I really didn't think I did well at this casting. I kind of went in it with that attitude where I was like, it is what it is. Like, let's not overthink this. And, and yeah. just, just
0: quickly, like, can you describe what the process is to like a typical casting? Mm. Maybe there's a models So listening. basically
1: when, say, if you're modeling in London, for me, my experience was on a Sunday night, your agency will send you an email with a list of castings. Um, that will happen throughout that week and you basically just travel around so different locations. to different locations okay. and you're meeting with casting directors of different brands and then it's just a waiting game you don't know if you're going to get that job until maybe say a few days later sometimes a week later they'll then email your agency and be like yep we want um, Sean for this job so yeah with that casting a few days later yep you've been booked for Puma in Germany um, you're gonna be flying out on this time. Accommodation sorted. You'll be flying out with a bunch of other models from the agency. So yeah, that was that was really cool. a moment. I was like,
0: damn, like, this is like, cool. This is what I wanted.
1: Yeah. So this is why I moved across the world to chase this dream of being a model. So that was that was kind of like where the reality set in. I was like, all right,
0: yeah, hundred percent. I think mm. like living in London, um, you know, getting. Casted and then working with these like big brands that's sort of the dream for mm. most models at yep. least the ones i know so yeah. that's pretty cool yeah um and then for this puma one for example mm-hmm. uh like what sort of work yeah specifically do you so it was do in it?
1: um in nuremberg at the main headquarters which is an insane facility it's crazy to actually see these big brands and where they operate from it's like this multi-million dollar facility where they have like all these showrooms and um yeah it was incredible so the actual job was a runway which we were doing in front of their like top end buyers and they also had selena gomez attending to do a talk on her condition which i think is lupus Mm -hmm. um so yeah it was cool being backstage with selena gomez it was kind of like one of those moments yeah yeah
0: yeah, for sure so i guess you were just like modeling the puma clothing yeah and like you did like a runway sort of thing yeah okay and then um some other brands you mentioned was nike yep nike so it was a similar sort of thing
1: yes that was in london again it was like a showroom style where they were bringing in buyers to um i guess see a new collection they were launching of at the time it was running shoes so yeah quite um plain just standing there in a room with the nike stuff on mm-hmm. and buyers coming in but yeah, yeah. again really cool experience
0: yeah for sure hmm um and then asos that would have been more like e-commerce
1: yeah yeah, e-commerce so that's kind of like the bread and butter for a model in london is doing your e-commerce work it's very consistent Mm. um it's that safe money it kind of comes in way more consistently and then outside of that you've got campaigns and runways and those bigger paying jobs but e-commerce is really almost like your nine to five for a model yeah yeah
0: no that's true i think it's the same for photography Mm. um like yeah like even for photographer your bread and butter normally Mm -hmm. is uh maybe corporate shoots or headshots or like e-commerce or product shots Mm. not like i guess there's stuff photographers dream of is more like creative campaigns for like nike or whatever but Mm -hmm. typically you're going to be doing like the e-commerce front side back it's it's like pretty stale nothing nothing creative but it pays the bills and at Mm. least you're like doing something you enjoy so yeah 100 percent. yeah it's still
1: yeah pretty cool
0: um What was it just like living in London, like as a city, Mm. um, like meeting people or going out and partying or Yeah, it's
1: really fast paced. There's a lot going on, a lot of opportunity, which is really cool, so um for me i kind of went over there like i hadn't really traveled so i didn't know what to expect but you know perth coming from perth being quite a isolated slow-paced city with a small population to then going over there with a really dense population there's so much going on everyone's like go 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 um the nightlife's really exciting there's so many events there's so many brands that run out of london so they're always throwing events Mm. and stuff what sort of
0: like brands for example
1: uh The ones that would throw the most parties were like Boohoo and Pretty Little Thing. They got big budget and they would always be collabing with like different celebrities and stuff. So Mm -hmm. they would like launch a collection with say like Maya Jama or Dele Allé, Dele LA. the the footballer from. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was all those kind of things, and yeah, I'd end up getting like invites to those kind of events and just networking and brushing shoulders with like other models and celebrities. Were
0: these uh, where were these sort of hosted at like?
1: Like nightclubs, bars, those kind of things. Yeah. Okay. Even um, one of the coolest ones I went to was at the, I think it's the Shard in London and that was for Volgari doing like a perfume launch. So okay. Cool. Incredible. So
0: yeah, lots of like launches, events and mm. like networking mm-hmm. opportunities and sort of creative things going on. Yeah. Like yeah, faster, definitely more faster pace. Than, mm. Yeah. Um, and then you went to LA. Um, was this while you were you were based in London you were like traveling to LA
1: yeah yeah so the year before in 2017 I'd actually traveled to LA and kind of that was my first experience of um, seeing what people do like that don't just work a typical nine to five like creatives photographers models doing it like as a full-time job in Perth you don't really see that that often so it was really cool to see how they were living and you know Monday to Friday they weren't just like at an office they were bouncing around doing some really cool stuff so that kind of inspired me so I always said you know a year later in 2018 no matter what I'm gonna fly back to LA book the ticket it's a non-negotiable so yeah yeah that's that's what I did
0: and how did you form connections over there?
1: So I really used like my social media at the time. I would often post like where I was going and the t- like the dates that I was going to be there. And from there, I would often get like DMs from the people in that location being like, hey, let's link up. Let's do a photo shoot. Let's go for dinner. And um, yeah, like in 2018, I was just wasn't tied down to anything. So I was just saying yes to everything and anything. So it was really cool. And that landed me in some um, pretty cool situations.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, Were these like followers of yours or they'd literally just be like, hey, I saw your location?
1: And Yeah, so they were following me. So that was the thing before I actually moved um, to the UK. I kind of was like doing like a little bit of research into like different people and who had connections and yeah, who they were actually, associated with. Yeah. Kind of doing like a little bit of stalking as yeah, you do. for sure. Um, and I'd follow these people, like whether they were maybe like managing, um, other models or celebrities and stuff like that and just follow them. And yeah, when I actually ended up in their locations and posted that I was there, that was when they would DM me and be like, let's link up. And I just like, were yeah, you.
0: Were cool. you kind of connecting them before you went? connected with them before you went there or it was just kind of like not at when all you were yeah there? it okay. was just
1: when i was there that was when it was like the first point of actual official contact yeah other than like following each other and liking a couple of posts it was like all right now i'm there conversation link up and yeah it started with i think first one was a Filipino photographer that I shot with out in LA and he ended up introducing me to his friend who was Manny Pacquiao's nephew. Oh yeah. And from there I ended up actually staying at Manny Pacquiao's like mansion in Hollywood. So Wow. Yeah, it was. And you, you met him as well? No, I didn't. No. Oh, you didn't so <laughs> he's just got this like <laughs> random mansion out in Hollywood that oh, when yeah. he does fights in America he stays there. So Okay. His um aunt actually looks after the place really yep. lovely lady and yeah spent some time with her and she's very accommodating she's oh, like cool. my la grandma LA, almost yeah, like yeah she treats me like family and i'm really appreciated. oh of wow that, yeah
0: um and then so, so sort of through that photo shoot you kind of connected with more people mm, and mm. um how else did you kind of meet people was it yeah so you go out and it kind just, of just
1: like snowballed on from there so it was like I went and stayed there in Hollywood at that mansion and I ended up, um, he was going to Vegas. Yep. Like my friend was going to Vegas to go to a wedding and he was like-
0: Was your friend from Perth or- No,
1: no, no. So this was like this Filipino guy. So it's actually oh, Manny Pacquiao. Okay. No, it's his friend. So Manny Pacquiao's nephew. Oh, okay, okay. So he was going to Vegas for a wedding and he's like, do you want to come? Yeah. I was like, hell yeah. That's like a bucket list thing yep. to go to a Vegas wedding. You oh, yeah. see sure. The Hangover and all those yep, movies. So yep. I was like- hell yeah let's do it so again boom put on my story going to vegas these dates and then from there actually a guy that was following me who's now one of my good friends stevie Mackey, he saw that i'd posted that and he's like i'm going to vegas same dates come with me i'm like oh damn all right now i've got a couple of options so i told my friend Um, look I've got an option to actually go to Vegas with Stevie as well like should I go with him and he was like look we've actually got a full car anyway so ride with him still come to the wedding but yeah you can roll with him and I was like cool done so pulled up to Stevie's and like never met him before yeah he's like yeah we're going to Vegas road tripping there Um, so we did the drive out there and that's like a three plus hour trip it's almost like going down to Margaret River so With that road trip, it's like it's a really good time to get to know someone. You're in a car ride. So, for that whole like three hours, we were just talking, getting to know each other. Um, But again, I didn't really know what I was pulling up to. I didn't know. I knew Stevie like had celebrity connections. Um, He'd work with like Jennifer Lopez, Selena Gomez and a few other people. What's his like uh, job? So, his job's, he's a voice coach, which is really interesting. Yeah, but I had no idea what exactly his roles were and his connections or what the hell he was doing in Vegas either. It was just like, let's go to Vegas, pull up. And then he's like, yeah, so I'm J-Lo's voice coach and she's actually got a residency out in Vegas. So she performs um, every fortnight for a weekend. I think she does like four, three or four shows back to back and then goes back to LA. She was out, goes back a fortnight later, does it all again. And his role was to basically like warm her up, yep. like her vocal cords and... Yeah, so that's kind of how that happened. I ended up getting introduced to her whole entourage and spending like a bit of time out there with them. So, incredible, yeah.
0: That's amazing. Mm. Yeah, so on your Instagram stories, you got to connect with quite a few celebrities. Um, Winnie Harlow as well. How did that come about?
1: Yeah, so again, that was through a connection in London. So, I met her manager, uh, Manny, who, again, really great guy. Um, And he made that introduction. So, I actually got put on like he had a PR list essentially. So when these events in London were happening, he would often just be like, yo, do you want to pull up to this event, come through? So yeah, that's where that kind of connection happened.
0: Okay, cool. And then, um, I guess after that, you went back to London and worked for a bit and then eventually came back to
1: Perth or, um, so I went out to LA twice actually in that year, but yeah, I was kind of bouncing between the two, like modeling, um, Which was a challenge because I think as a model in London, you kind of want to try and be quite grounded and available for brands to book you. And Mm. my agency started to get a little bit frustrated towards the end where they're like, you're hardly ever in London. Like you're always bouncing around because I wanted to travel as well. I didn't just want to go, oh, I just want to work. Like I worked full time for four years previous to that. So I just wanted to really experience things. So yeah, bouncing around a lot. Like I even went to um, Spain, Greece, traveled around a bit. Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. Mm. Did you build any... Uh, connections over in Europe or no not so much much. that was really leisure yeah just chilling on the beach having fun nice nice
1: um and then why did you come back to Perth I guess at the end of 2018 I was pretty worn out it was a massive year like very rewarding year amazing experience but by the end of it I was kind of like at a crossroads questioning whether I wanted to continue with modeling um I think that obviously there's the glitz and glam of networking and being at all these events and doing these cool jobs but it's also I guess quite emotionally draining as well doing all the castings and trying to be like this picture perfect person for these brands when you're pulling up to the castings and I think at the time I really overthought it because I didn't really have that much experience and Yeah, it was just a little bit draining, so I was really like, do I want to do this as a full-time thing that puts a roof over my head and food on the table? Not too sure. So I would built this network throughout the year though, and I really always had interest in starting my own business. So it's kind of like, all right, let's get back to Perth and start to reevaluate what I want to do with my life, and it's kind of what leads on to the next chapter of my life.
0: Yeah, I think uh, just the modeling industry in itself, like as a model, it's not as easy as People might think like, especially like mentally, like Mm -hmm. when people are just judging you solely based on your looks and then you Mm got to keep everything perfect in shape. 100%.
1: Especially when you're a new face model, it's really like you're grinding to try and like establish yourself and get yourself Mm. into the scene, I guess. And until you're at the top, you're really just like grinding, grinding, grinding. And it does, it becomes quite emotionally taxing. And I mean, yeah it's it's great don't get me wrong but there's also that side to it where i think for me like i really just it wasn't cut out to how i thought it was going to be um so So
0: how did you think it was going to be and then how did it sort of end up being like
1: um not too sure i really didn't know what to expect i mean you see what the models at the top are doing like i was following other models that were constantly doing jobs and working but You know, they had started from a really young age. They had established themselves and that's okay, but you don't see those early days of grinding. And for me, already being a little bit older, I think that I felt like I didn't have the time. So I was trying to rush into things. That's why I was like constantly networking, trying to be in these rooms, trying to make it to the top as quickly as possible, which was quite draining. Whereas I think if you started, say when you were like 16 or 17, Mm, you can kind of work yourself into it slowly and you've still got those years to build whereas i was like damn i'm already 23 okay like time's ticking along so yeah i think
0: there's like yeah definitely if you start later it feels like there's a lot more pressure Mm. and yeah for sure so then you yeah you moved back to perth did you have any idea like were you getting kind of inspiration while you were in london or you literally didn't even or you, you were yeah
1: i was getting a bit of inspiration funnily enough the initial business idea was potentially doing men's cosmetics. Okay. Yeah. because yep. Doing the modelling and stuff, you're like dabbling in men's cosmetics. You're doing like shows and shoots, and you're putting a bit of makeup on, and you're seeing like other people wearing it. Um. So I thought, okay, there might be like a bit of an industry for that. Hundred percent. But think, yeah. coming back to Perth, no. Like you're not. Oh, you mean
0: like, uh um, like the men's skincare industry mm. in London mm. versus Perth. So you yeah. Saying there's an industry in London, but not so much yeah. in Perth. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Okay. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. Perth is just. Behind, but yeah, 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 for sure.
1: So that was kind of that. Like, I, I had the idea of, all right, maybe I'll do some like men's cosmetics. I think that it's a little bit of an untapped market at the time. It was. Now you're seeing a lot of like big brands that are in there, like Tom Ford. They're heavily invested into actual like men's skincare and even like foundations, eyebrow gels, all the rest of it. But again, in Perth, came back. I was like, this is going to be very challenging mm. to try and start a business here. In yeah. That. Industry, I'm sure it would have worked, but it would have taken time and it would have been a different angle. So, yeah, um, so you went with active wear. Yeah, went with active wear, knew what I like, went with kind of the safe play. I guess I knew active wear, I knew the gym. Like, yeah, I guess
0: it's, you've been in the gym like at a very young age, so you're like yeah. seeing everybody coming in, mm-hmm. seeing what type of people come in there, mm-hmm. seeing what people are wearing. You probably, yeah, yeah, just having that observation. Yeah, over I was way years. more
1: familiar with it, and I knew yeah. that Perth had activewear the fitness scene so i was like all right let's let's play it safe let's get into something that i know well yes it's saturated yes it's going to be challenging but at the end of the day i really just wanted to start my first business and learn that was the biggest thing and i didn't overthink it. i didn't go oh you know shit there's too many other brands i won't be able to make it i went let's start with something i know yeah and just learn from there so
0: so why did you go with women's activewear over mens?
1: it's a great question i think um in my opinion, I think that women definitely invest a lot more into buying clothes, particularly active wear. You'll see them like for the most part, a lot of guys just throw on a T-shirt, <laughs> pair of shorts. they're yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Whereas, yeah, women are constantly just cycling through different like leggings, sports bras. They're being a little bit more adventurous, more fashion forward when it comes mm. to the gym and how they're presented. So, yeah, I thought that that was a bit of an easier market definitely didn't yeah, align sure. with like my passion or interest as such like of course i would have loved to have done menswear but i was like let's start with i guess words. it's
0: a it's a better market to kind of jump into as mm. if you're first sort of mm. business and you know that there's a market there for it even yeah. though it might be uh, more saturated i guess this might be a, also a safer industry yep. to get into yeah
1: 100 percent. and again like it's not like i wouldn't get into menswear eventually but In the early days, in that startup phase, women's wear made a lot of sense, yeah.
0: Okay, and then, um, yeah, you mentioned you started it out of your parents' Mm. bedroom, like... Spare bedroom. uh, (laughs) Spare bedroom, sorry. Um, Like, what what did you start off with, just ordering samples and, like, Mm. sampling things and Mm. seeing how it looked and it felt and...
1: Yeah, so, I mean... This is the thing as well. For a long time I was like following a few fitness influencers from America on YouTube that had started their own activewear labels. So from that I felt like I had a pretty good idea on like the blueprint on how to start an activewear labels And I was also like watching those like typical drop shipping YouTube videos yep. on like mm. how to source a manufacturer, how to find a product
0: did you, um, did you buy how many courses did you buy
1: none it was just all, all <laughs> the free stuff on youtube okay. yeah i was just That's like good. a sponge just laying there listening to these like podcasts and youtube videos um so yeah jumped on alibaba and started to try and find a good manufacturer and i had a list of like things that were like red flags when finding a manufacturer do they like speak good english do they understand what you want x y and z and um finally came across one that really seemed to understand what we wanted so we started to go through the sampling process with them and I don't know so that
0: that process is just kind of ordering this material this material this material um
1: not even i didn't really know exactly what fabrics i wanted to go into i kind of just um we had like a template of like a legging that we wanted to build out which in the act like women's activewear scene, the kind of top selling legging is the lululemon Align pant that's like they sell more like Lululemon sells more a lion pants than any other brand in the world. Like they sell hundreds of millions of dollars wow. in this one certain product. Like, and at the time it's very, very popular. So I was like, all right, we've got, that's the benchmark. Let's work off that and try and make it better. Mm. So we kind of drew inspiration from that design and we're like, all right, that's what we want to work with. And let's like put our own unique twist onto it and go from there. And again, it was quite basic um but yeah just ordered these samples in a few different colors and we asked for a few different fabrics as well we're like all right give us you what what's the best you've got what's the most popular and what's like probably the closest in quality to what lululemon do mm. with their align pant so a couple of weeks later samples get sent out to us try them on well i didn't try them on <laughs> beth tried them on <laughs> um yeah run them through like a few workouts a few washes see how they go and they were pretty spot on like oh, really? first round wow. of samples were like Really good, like holy, like hell! We've hit the jackpot here. We're on um, a couple of little tweaks that we wanted to make once we actually went into that bulk production, but didn't even have to do another round of samples. We're just like, all right, let's just let them know that we want a couple of little changes here or there, and um, let's go into an actual bulk production. Um, so, and did you was
0: this like? Did you start with an Instagram page, or you just started started mm-hmm. with a
1: website, or how did you? Yeah, yeah. So again. First things first was to actually think of the brand name. Okay. So we came up with Lilo, funnily enough. A lot of people asked me, where'd you come up with the name Lilo? Beth and I were really bouncing ideas off of each other and we didn't want to come up with like a generic name, particularly because you're going to run into problems with trademarking. You mm. see a lot of people just call the active where label was these real like just generic things. and like, you're going to get a cease and desist in a few years. Yeah. So for us, we wanted to like play it safe, make sure that we come up with like a unique name that was easy to remember rolls off the tongue and ticks all these boxes. And we started to talk about like different like movies and Disney and all that. And I'm like Lilo and stitch like, oh, Lilo, okay. Lilo sounds cool. All right. Let's just spell Lilo different. Cause yeah. Lilo and stitch is yeah. like L I L O. So. like, let's spell it l-e-e-l-o goated show that's our random love, it love good lilo and stitch yeah and i think a lot of people are familiar with that so it's like when i tell someone all right, i have this active label that's lilo when they walk away they don't forget it they kind of have something to maybe it's like kind of like a fun to. like yeah, yeah it's yeah, i don't know it just rolls off the tongue nicely and it's just like it has something that's familiar so someone's like oh it's like lilo like lilo and stitch i have something to refer back true. to yeah so yeah got the brand name got the instagram handle got the domain um and then went from there
0: yeah and then i guess did you have samples ready to go
1: yep so we did the sampling process once that sample is good to go i'm like all right this product's really good made an order yeah you then go into the bulk production with the manufacturer so our manufacturer they have like what you call moqs minimum order quantities so A lot of bigger manufacturers, they will work within these MOQs. They won't do a bulk production unless you meet them. So theirs was 300 per color, per style. All right, let's just start with three different colors in two different styles. We did matching sports bra and a pair of leggings in black, navy, and stormy blue. And yeah, we had to order, I think it was a couple of thousand units in total across all those styles and colors, which was... Almost, I think it was about $26,500. Wow. So luckily I had a bit of savings from working my full-time job and modeling. So still had yep. some savings. So um, yeah, invested that money straight into the business, which was scary because I didn't have much left over after that. Yeah, <laughs> So I was like sure. back against the wall, which I didn't mind the pressure. I kind of wanted that like a little bit of pressure to go, okay, I'm all in now. I've got to sell these 2,000 units and go again. And that's exactly what I did.
0: Okay, so... Yeah, you had your Instagram ready, your website ready mm-hmm. to go. You made this order. Yep. Um, and then when it arrived, I guess you were probably doing, were you doing a bit of marketing for when it arrived or arrived and then you started creating um, some content around it? or
1: Yeah, waited for it to arrive. Again, we were bootstrapping, so we didn't really have much money left over to invest into marketing and photo shoots. So everything had to be done by ourselves, the photography, the marketing, everything, so... Yeah, we waited for the actual bowl quarter to come in. And then I remember Beth and I, we actually booked a sh- um, shoot down at Huzzard's studio in the city. I have my little 80D camera. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what the hell I was doing. Set up the lighting, the flash, and I was like playing around. Like, All right, that looks okay. Definitely overexposed. You would know as a photographer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Just to pick up a camera and try and make it work was pretty crazy. But we did. We like shot it. Didn't look that great, but it did the job. Yeah, and yeah, we did the all the ecom, and again from the modeling experience that I had, I kind of had like a little bit of an idea of where to place the like flash and the lighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To do the front side you know and I, back photo. yeah, it should sort of look like it. Yeah, had a had a brief idea, not an expert, but <laughs> I made it happen. <laughs> yeah so that's kind of what we did we did that photo shoot and then we had the website already and then we we're up like, right, let's do a launch event you don't really see brands do launch events too much anymore especially small like brands that are starting up but um you know again coming from london and seeing all these brands do all these launch parties and stuff i had this uh, yep. idea to go cool. all right, i've got to have a launch event so we invited i think it was about 20 different influencers from around perth which was really cool and wow. they were all super supportive yep i'm yeah, cool like i want to come through i think because
0: it was quite i'd say 2019 is still quite mm. early like it's i think that's just when tiktok started sort of mm. happened so mm. there's all these new influences and like yeah. to get invited to a thing like in perth that's like pretty yeah, cool yeah yeah so it's like yeah. so it
1: was really good to see that um a lot of these people that we invited were keen to come down so uh, cool we've got these 20 um I refer to them as influencers. They probably don't want to be referred to as influencers, but they had a following. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So um, we knew that that was important. So we hired an Airbnb in the city, which was like this penthouse apartment. Again, like literally spending the last of our money on this event. It was like, all right, let's hire this penthouse apartment in the city. It had this like really cool rooftop. Um, and I was like, all right, let's run cool. like this rooftop um, yoga with like candles. And it was like this candle lit rooftop yoga kind of thing and we had like we just did all the catering ourselves as well we brought in food we didn't hire any catering we just i actually got my mom to help with that cool um and yeah we had this really nice candlelit yoga event and they were all posting on social media so that was like that initial little hype yeah um, and again we really like put our all into that event and then popped a bottle of champagne made the website live and Started to get a couple of little orders. It wasn't like a crazy launch or anything like where, you know, hear had those kind of success stories where I was mm. like, oh, I launched and got all these sales. It wasn't like that for us. It was pretty slow. It was like a, couple, like a handful of sales, which was cool. We were excited about that regardless. Like we might have made like five sales in that first night, which isn't much money at all. It was probably like $300, $400. Mm. I was like, right, that's a start though. Let's go.
0: And then uh, I guess from there, were you just kind of like – waiting or you're just like trying to pump mm. or marketing or like
1: yeah well again as I said we kind just of wanted like, to
0: sell that first drop eh?
1: yeah yeah it was like all right we got to sell these 2000 units but we don't have much of a marketing budget so we really got to take a bootstrapping approach to our marketing so one thing I did was I was like all right let's print out flyers so I went printed out like 2000 flyers down at office and had like a 20% off discount code and I was like okay let's walk around all the different suburbs in perth where we feel like they either have a demographic that aligns with our brands or younger demographics mm. like those new kind of suburbs that have new homes and it's like young yeah. families all right let's start there and let's also hit the wealthy suburbs like Peppermint grove and so it's really
0: that. kind of guerrilla marketing handing out yeah we're well, not even
1: handing out it was just letterbox dropping oh okay 20 percent off just yeah get it out there like That's all that I really knew without having a budget to do that. I knew that there was digital marketing that you could run Facebook ads, but didn't really have the experience, knowledge or budget to put into that. So I was like, let's start with flyers. And then from there, I was also like, let's do some pop-ups as well. So we were going down every weekend. We'd like DM a different fitness studio around Perth, like F45s or even privately owned fitness studios. And be like, hey, we'd love to come down on a Saturday morning. We'll have a rail and do a little pop-up. And um, again really nice of all these like studio owners to say, yeah, like come down. They're really supportive. And we just pull up for like an hour. Did on you have Saturday to morning.
0: kind of hire out a space or they just let no, you come just, through? Yeah. They just let us oh, come wow, through. Cool. We just
1: tuck away in the corner with like one clothing rail and a few pairs of leggings and our little like square reader. And was it,
0: it, um, through your connections or do you just, nah, send just, messages random, and, oh, okay. just
1: sending out like messages. And again, like we're so thankful for how supportive these like owners, of these studios were to say, yes, you can. So, um, but it, it was kind of one of those things where you, we weren't really making sales. We we're kind of just there and like you might make one sale if you were lucky. So, it was like spending your Saturday morning and it was almost like – Did
0: you get – did you kind of doubt yeah, your it was brand a Yeah, it was a bit
1: disheartening sometimes to pull up. Like sometimes we wouldn't make any sales at all and people wouldn't even like really pay any attention to you just sitting there in the corner. You're trying to hand out a flyer like, hey, we're this like new active label in Perth and – I just oh uh, yeah, yeah. cool, cool. Nice. <laughs> Damn, but yeah again I knew just like let's just keep showing up. People will keep seeing our faces, they'll see the brand and just keep going, keep going, keep going. We just did that like week on weekend on weekend, we just pull up Saturday morning at a different location, a different area of Perth, and slowly like we'd make a couple of sales and then the cash flow started to come in I was like Just right. from
0: that um going to these kind of fitness mm events yep. and areas. yeah and handing
1: out the flyers and then like of course like someone gets the flyer and they might not make the purchase there and then but maybe like a week later they're like oh like I need i'm some, curious yeah. about this i'll give them a shot and yep. like then they would come in and like actually make a purchase online and then yeah the cash flow started to roll in and that's that's basically how it started
0: um and did you just use that type of guerrilla marketing to sell your first drop or did you also have like online methods to, to just because i guess you wanted to sell mm, that first mm. shipment
1: yeah. yeah yeah so we did that that was like the first thing and then once the cash flow did start to come in we did start to dabble into facebook ads so yep. i started to watch all these youtube um, videos on how to run like facebook ads so yeah from there just started with a small budget but this was probably almost like 12 months in it took a full year of just that real slow grind of flyer drops pop-ups not making much money at all but just trying to get the brand out there
0: were you working part-time as well
1: no i was all in i was just like actually beth was working another job which was really good so she was kind of like supporting us in that way and then i was just yeah like trying to focus on the business because i knew if Again, I was taking that like back against the wall approach. Yeah. I just didn't want any safety nets at the time. I just wanted to go, all right, I'm all in on this. I'm gonna make it work no matter what. Yeah. I'm just gonna keep going, no matter how slow it is. I know if I stay persistent, it's gonna work. So Yeah, yeah. I guess
0: it's really good just to have that that focus and then mm-hmm. you know you're just focusing on this one thing. Whereas yeah, yeah like a part time work, it's like taking a lot of your time and mm-hmm. yeah, so you really went all in. Yeah. That's cool. Um, how long did it take to sell you that to sell that first drop?
1: Oh God, we were working through that stock for I would say almost 18 months. Wow. Yeah, like it it was a slow grind. But again, like after that first 12 months and then you start running the Facebook ads and luckily it was kind of on the back end of when like Facebook ads were quite simple and they were working quite well. So when I started to dabble in it, I was getting good results. So slowly, slowly build up and start scaling that kind of like digital marketing side of the business. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of what kickstarted it, and then the stock just started to go down. And then it was like, all right, now we need to replenish the stock, and let's actually design a few new products. So that's when we went into like designing a couple of new things and placed another bulk order. And just all right, now we got to sell this stock, and just
0: and was it um yeah. like in your in your parents' spare room? It was just kind of filled mm. with yeah,
1: just boxes, boxes of boxes, boxes, boxes of activewear. yeah, stretchy pants. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when did you
0: kind of? Have to move into that warehouse. Was it after the first drop, the second um, sort of drop? Or? It
1: was towards like I think we would have done about three bowl quarters at that stage. That was getting on to like the two-year mark. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. So what? I guess it it sounds like it just you know went slowly and then mm-hmm. it just kind of like yep jumped and, and
1: then it really started to gain traction. And I think that that was the beauty of like digital marketing and understanding that it becomes a bit of a numbers game that you start to scale the ad spend up start to get more sales in and it's just yeah then it does become a bit more of a numbers game and i started to go okay this starts to make sense now and yeah just keep building off of there so for two years we were just in that little spare bedroom it was like tiny smaller than this podcast really which is crazy but it was like getting to the point where it was like busting at the seam so it was like we need a space yeah yeah
0: okay and uh Because you've you've got the warehouse at the moment with privacy, um, with Ryan who runs privacy. Mm -hmm. Um, Did Ryan give you a few tips with the Facebook ads or? No, it was probably
1: more around the other way where I actually started to tell him more about the Facebook ads and the digital marketing, which was funny because he actually was at uni at the time studying marketing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we sat down and had a few coffees and started to talk about. And I'd show him, look, I'm running these ads and I'm putting this budget in. He was like, oh, like I'm gonna start trying that with privacy. And we both started to grow together, which was really cool. And that's when we like, um, he was actually working for the gym that's below our headquarters, and the space that we're now in was just empty. And he was like, Oh, the owner, Aaron of the gym, like he wants to see if someone wants to go in the space upstairs. Do you want to like take it on with me? And I was like, Hell yeah, let's do it. So that's how that happened.
0: And that was two years in. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. So that was uh, August 2021, I believe, is when we moved in there. So we've been in there just over a year. That's
0: Mm. just insane how quickly Mm. it's grown. Yeah. Like, yeah. To like just out of your, our parents spare mm-hmm. spare room yeah to like a seven figure business out of a warehouse and within yep. three years that's like you know, yeah, it's, yeah it's,
1: it's pretty quick growth i mean particularly out of like a small like city like perth um in the australian market like you do hear about these like businesses in the uk and us that are run by influencers and they have really quick come-ups and mm. they hit that seven figure mark really fast a bit more rare in perth but yeah it was pretty cool to actually like get that growth and uh,
0: yeah because i suppose those people they already have like a huge following <laughs> mm-hmm. um you guys didn't start with like a massive following so no. it was just um it was more so the the product and the brand itself and yeah people, it was, people must have loved like obviously loved the product yeah
1: we really invested into the product i think the product is like the key to a successful business no matter what like even if you have influence and you can launch off that, if you don't have a good product, eventually people aren't going to buy your stuff. You might make that first sale, but it's really important as a business, especially in like clothing, is to look at the lifetime value of a customer. It's, mm. You're not making money on generally that first purchase. It's once the customer comes back time in time out, it's like that's where you start to actually see a, a tangible business where you can actually make money.
0: Oh, okay. So you guys, yeah, focus on the product and mm. then, Say, hey, how can we make something that someone's going to come back mm-hmm. time and time mm-hmm. again? Okay. Yeah, that's, like that's the goal. Customer. That's
1: that's a real, like, that's what makes a successful business. It's not to just, like, do a one-time sale. Like, all these drop shippers that are selling things on, like, Amazon and just yeah. making a one-time purchase and it's not good quality. It's just dropshipped. That's not going to, like, that's not a long-term play. If you want a, like, business that's going to, like, last, you need that really good quality product that, you know, eventually your marketing becomes word of mouth because, Once that person gets the product and they tell their friends, their family, it all just comes together.
0: Yeah, the word Mm. word of mouth is um, definitely very important. And Mm. how did you kind of uh, like do your – how did you see how people responding to the product? Like was it just feedback from the Mm. customers themselves or were you you like um, – your partner was testing out the stuff as well and
1: yeah so obviously she was testing it out but we really just kept our ears open to what our customers wanted and had like to get that really strong feedback loop so we had the review system on the website and we'd always read the reviews but a lot of it was very positive and it was like oh my god these are like my lululemon align pants but they're actually better and they're cheaper and like that was the main yes. review in the early days and that wasn't
0: like you didn't even incentivize that that's just no, what they were that saying was what
1: they were saying so it was amazing to kind of have people like making that comparison to like a global brand that's yeah. at the top of the game yeah. i was like all right that on that, say, that, you
0: know? that probably like was like a key factor when they compared it to like a ready mm. um like a product that was already doing really well yeah yeah and yeah, yeah that sort of word of mouth people it's almost like because i see this on tiktok a lot like mm-hmm. especially in the fashion scene they're like mm. oh this product's exactly like this product, but mm-hmm. a better price. Yeah, um, they. I think it's when your customers are selling your product for you. Mm-hmm. You're not saying you're not like paying an influencer to yep. do it. That's yep. when. Yeah, it's very
1: organic and yeah. natural. And yeah, it's that's that's what happened in the early days. And we kept our range so small for like at least like eighteen months to two years. We were selling just a few colors of leggings, matching sports bras, and bike shorts, and we just did that for so long and then it eventually got to the point where we're like all right let's test out a few new designs and we started thinking outside of the box and now you look at our range we've got over 100 different styles which oh, really? as a like small clothing round you don't often see such a large catalog but like that's where beth is amazing is that she's just constantly designing and our so manif- she's
0: the she's like the designer that chooses yep. the colors and the mm-hmm. patterns and yep. yeah she's constantly materials designing. as well yeah
1: and our manufacturer they now actually give us unlimited samples which in the early days you actually have to pay for your samples yeah Whereas now we're in like the top, I think, three clients. So they're like, yep, just wow. just as many samples as you want. So every month like Beth's designing like up to 40 different designs and then the samples come in and she tries them on and we're like, yep, that's sick, that's sick. Let's run with that. But She's
0: designing 40 she's 40 doing 40 different designs, designs a month. Yeah, at that's times. Huge. Yeah, it's wow.
1: crazy. Because our like strategy at the moment, every four to six weeks, we kind of want to do a new release, which is quite um a new, it's not a new, new thing, but it's very different to like the typical fashion labels that work off of like a seasonal calendar where they just do spring summer and then autumn winter where like, and it's not just us. A lot of other like brands are doing this now where it's like mid season drops. It's like, you're not thinking just like spring summer, do one release and then wait, autumn winter, do one release and wait. It's like, it's just go, go, go just design, design, keep like the customers like, I don't know, bring out new stuff that excites the customers and keep bringing them back because if you just, um, if you're too slow, I mean, you don't want to swing towards like fast fashion, mm. but you do want to like be constantly bringing out like new timeless designs that your customers are going to love and wear continuously. I think that's our focus as well. It's not to try and be too fashion forward or anything. We mm. really want to like invest into timeless, simple designs that fit the customer really well and that they're worn like for years, not just yeah. like worn for one month and then they're done with it. put it in their drawer and it goes to waste. It's like- like quality, yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and then with the designs, are you always kind of like looking at new materials, or is it mostly like mm. the actual visuals? Or yeah, it a it's bit a bit, of, a bit of, of everything now.
1: So like, we've got probably four or five different fabrics in our range, and each of them kind of have their own unique like. Um, things that they do like some are more compressive some are more comfortable some are sweat wicking some are more breathable like there's there's all different things that goes into particularly active wear because it's quite a demanding product it it needs to meet like the needs of the customer Mm. inside and outside of the gym so it needs to be comfortable enough to just um, lounge around in but then it also needs to perform well when you're doing say a squat or you're doing a yoga workout or pilates so yeah
0: Yeah, for sure also i don't know if it was the trend of the last maybe five or so years when people actually started wearing actor wear just out in the street, you know, that started to be a thing.
1: And they brought out like it's this category called athleisure. So it's like it's leisure wear and athletic wear blended in together. So that's what we're really all about. It's like um, that product that can be worn inside and outside of the gym.
0: Yeah, 100%. And then um, I guess like are there many – are there many other activewear brands in Perth or like your? Yeah, there's, there is, there's quite a lot. a lot,
1: particularly now. I think that there's like this like wave. It's almost like a cool thing to do is to start an activewear label. So, yeah, there's a lot of like small ones that are up and coming. There's a few bigger ones as well. um And then, I mean, there's ones that have like done really well and they're actually like based out of the East Coast now. So, yeah, Perth's a really good place to start a business. I love it. Oh, and yeah. For us, like. We want to stay here too. Like, it's, it's very tempting to start a business in Perth and then bounce to the East Coast because there's more population over there. There's more, I guess, um, creatives to work with and stuff yeah. like that. But for me, I want to try and stay loyal to Perth and mm-hmm. be here and run the business out of here. It's challenging being in such yeah. an isolated city that's so far away from everywhere else. And, like, I'd say 80% of our market's actually in the East Coast. Oh, yeah. Which is more expensive to obviously be sending parcels over to the East Coast. So... Comes with its challenges, but it's also I I don't know I like it. I like how loyal the community is in Perth, and everyone supports each other. So
0: yeah, I I think Mm. definitely because like we get excited about other Perth brands. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. um, And I guess maybe for someone that's lived in London and Mm. been to L A. all these places, do you think like Perth's one of the like it is rated the most livable city, but.
1: Yeah, 100%. Like coming back to Perth, it's so refreshing. Like after being in London in 2018, then coming back here and you just like take a breath of fresh air and you're like, wow, like this is the place to be. Like it made me appreciate Perth so much more leaving for a year and like being back near the ocean and like having the fresh air and not all the noisy traffic. It was like this is why I love Perth and it really reinforced that with me. So Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think um, definitely if you want to – Connect and you know there's that sort of city busy lifestyle. London, mm. LA, these bigger cities are better. But for yeah. like just living every day, it's like, mm-hmm. person amazing place. Yeah. um And then I guess where like what's on the cards for you guys over the next few years and what are your your kind of goals for the future? How how big mm. do you want to go with with Leela
1: Active? Yeah, I mean the sky's the limit. It's it's quite daunting I think for like a business owner to really look into the future and set really big goals because already what we're doing is quite high performance. Um, it takes up a lot of time and a lot of energy. And it's like, so like looking at the business and going forward and thinking, all right, I want to I want to hit this like target of getting into like becoming an eight figure business that turns over say more than 10 million a year. It's like, all right, that's going to take a bigger warehouse, more staff, more product, more, That just like mm. more, doing more, um, which is scary, but also exciting. I think like I'm up for the challenge, but- i've had a few people ask me like how big do you want to take this thing and i'm like i'm not sure like i really want to take it to like i don't know the, the limit, sky's yeah. the limit but at the same time it's like all right how many staff do i want to manage because that's a thing that we're now getting into we've actually hired a small team we've got a team of five and it's like that comes with its challenges actually having to manage people and like give them responsibilities mm. and delegate and um, it's like all right like from there building a bigger and bigger team that's daunting but i think now that I'm looking at I'm trying to like really invest into watching what like other business owners do that are like way above me and how they operate and a lot of them say you know it's harder in the early days because you don't have like those layers of management where other people can come in and help you like in the early days you're really doing all the management but at some point you can hire a manager that then helps you manage the people and it's like you just have more resources at your like disposal, I guess. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's just like keeping that in mind, but until it happens, I don't know like how I'm going to like enjoy it. Will I enjoy the pressure and the stress that comes with scaling the business to that next level? I hope I do. And mm-hmm. I hope I'm up for it. Like but at the moment, yeah, I'm just going to take it as it comes and just keep doing what I'm doing. I think that that's the thing with businesses that you've just got to keep doing more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Mm. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Sean, for coming on the podcast. It was just amazing to hear like your story, your background story, and then um you yeah, had to grow Lilo active like in the last three years to like seven figures. It's just amazing. So yeah, mm. thanks so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, all good. Thank you for having me. It's been really good.
0: Um, and what are your kind of Instagram handles for people to
1: check out? So you can follow Lilo. It's lelo.active dot active, active on Instagram and TikTok, and then my personal is Sean Mayer, S E A N underscore Mayer, M E Y E R. So yeah, give us a follow.
0: Sweet, thank you so much. Um, thanks again. See you next.